All right, we're live. So welcome everybody. I'm joined by Anthony from Texas Blues Alley, one of oh, one of the uh, OGs of YouTube. And I muted the StreamYard thing, and I accidentally just cut your uh, video feed completely. How about that? It won't happen again. That's it. I quit. <laughs> I just noticed yeah. here that we can see the YouTube comments right inside this yeah. thing here. But I can't. Con oh, I have to log in. Oh, uh, if you. You might be able. Oh, okay. I, I haven't yeah. probably worked it out in its entirety, but if you just open a Chrome browser, yeah, it should be I'm good to go, go. I'm just going to go right to the YouTube stream, turn off the video, and just cool. browse the uh, the chat there. There we go. So if you don't know who Anthony is, uh, you haven't been on YouTube since uh, <laughs> he's been around since 2007. Actually, one of the one of the OGs, a bit like myself. You think you started a few months back before I did, and uh, yeah, you've got a really great YouTube channel. Uh, and also uh, your Texas Blues Alley uh, lessons site as well. And, yeah, so if you want to learn some good blues, I've been recommending uh, Anthony for years on live streams. Everyone's like, oh, where, where should I learn lessons? I'm, go I'm like, go see him. He's going to be way better at it than what I would ever be. So, um, yeah, so welcome, mate. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm trying to remember when we first connected online. Um I remember the first video I saw, or not the first video I saw, but I think I contacted you um, possibly about the axe track. You bought an axe track oh, and I, I saw that video and I, I think I sent you an email asking you some, I, I could be wrong. I don't even know if you remember or not, but it was around that time when I first, I think I first sent a, a video uh, email out about it because I saw that video and I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to get one of these and I ordered one. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going through my emails here to see if I can figure out when that was. What's your? How do you spell your last name again? Oh, I'll type it in. Oh, it's it's D I I O R I O. Okay. First email from you. Hi, Anthony. How are you? This is Shane from the In the Blues channel on YouTube. In parentheses, in Australia, November seventeenth, two thousand fourteen. So you found oh, me. I thought it would have been 2010. Oh, okay, maybe not. That's all well, right. Okay, maybe so I that... maybe I contacted you on Facebook, it... possibly before oh, that. Then maybe it was. That, yeah, that yeah, feels too remember. recent. It fe like you definitely were in touch with me while it was still Stevie Snacks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. I've been I've been watching you since I can remember. Like I remember the first. Yeah, I remember your videos from way back early on, and everyone used to call you Stevie all the time. <laughs> And it used to yeah. drive you bananas. That was uh, well. Then yeah, that was definitely Stevie Snacks. So the first yeah. email I have from you is from 2014, but I feel like we definitely chatted before that. weren't you? Yeah, doing I think so as well. I, you were doing I, a left-handed guitar site back then, weren't you? Are you still doing that one? I, no, I did have one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I let it expire, unfortunately, which was stupid of me. Now that I've learned a lot about that stuff, I'm, I'm really regretful. I remember that particular detail yeah <laughs> maybe because i find left-handed guitar players a freak of nature and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah so do i you know what's funny even as a left-handed guitar player i i can't watch other lefties without going this looks weird <laughs> yeah there was um there's a guy named uh he was in a band named killing floor here in the states uh blues guy i forget what his name was anyway i saw him at the height of my delusional days, back when I was uh, just out of college and I thought that I was going to be the next big thing. 
and uh, I saw him at a local club here, and this guy just ripped. But he was lefty, and so imagine watching somebody who's obviously way better than you, and he's left-handed, <laughs> so you can't figure out what he's doing because you can't translate it. I think it was devastating for me to watch. I wish I could remember <laughs> what his name was. K-Floor was the name of the band. It's a dude, um, Eric Gales, who's like that. He plays <laughs> yeah. a... A yeah, right-handed that's pretty guitar. much what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really amazing. I'll just give a quick couple of shout-outs here. We've got uh, Lando27Music. Welcome, mate. We've got uh, Jamal. How you doing? And Todd. Welcome, mate. You've got something in the mail as well, Todd. So uh, hang in there. It's on its way. We've got the guitar kernel here as well. Awesome stuff. Welcome, man. I just noticed you can pop out the chat into its own window and stretch at the height of your computer so i can see more comments oh, cool yeah we're I, this is the first time i've used this streaming yard thing or stream yard or whatever it's called so if anything goes weird or it doesn't it doesn't work properly it's my fault <laughs> i'm a fan it's nice because uh it gives you a nice little control panel off of youtube to manage and i think the way it's working is that my video is going to them and from there yeah, to right. youtube not to you so it's not double dipping on your bandwidth. So that's exactly right. Yeah, I'm on. It should give us the best possible quality from both people. Yeah, I'm on super low bandwidth here too. So I wanted. I thought this might be a good solution for just working with what what I had. So yeah, so we yeah. connect to there, then it's sending out to yeah. the YouTube, Facebook, which is something I haven't done forever. So it's pretty cool. So you guys, you moved. I remember you doing a little. Uh, thing from you were do, testing a wireless thing from way way back in your backyard so you so you moved to a new house yeah. somewhere else in australia I yeah i moved from the beach to the hills <laughs> which oh, okay. was a, a complete extreme but uh you know what i'm i'm kind of used to this now it's quite beautiful out there too so it's good well, having we, a bit of back in 20, 2015 um my wife and i and our first boy we lived over in uh just regular suburbs of state college state college is a uh is a college town so it's uh when the students are all here it's about sixty thousand students and about fifty thousand locals all within um you know so it's a it's big for somebody like me who grew up in a small town but if you're from any major city it, it feels like a small town and um so we lived in a suburb of that and uh moved across town up to this property on the mountain and i had no idea how much i would enjoy living in the woods i'm telling you like it is it's uh, it makes working from home a little bit um better for your mental health i think um yeah. so but that's yeah, what inspired the beard hey what's that that's what inspired the beard living out in the yeah. woods <laughs> you got any yeah. flannelette shirts yet have you got the you know i don't know what they're called i've got is that, is some that flannels called? flannels yeah, yeah. flannel season is coming to an end but i've got some uh, it's funny <laughs> i found um i found a post that i made on facebook years and years ago and it said every fall when i go into the clothing store i wonder is this the year i start wearing flannel and every year <laughs> so far i've said not yet but soon and what's funny is that when we moved to the mountain that's when my flannel collection started getting bigger. Something about being in the woods. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes sense out there. Yeah, absolutely. So your uh, internet situation, being up in the hills of Australia, is that something that can improve, or are you just are you stuck with what you got? No, nah, I'm finally going to get uh, what they call the NBN, which has a lot of problems to some extent, but it's uh, it's like 
40 times faster. So I'm on like uh, something that would be considered really old ADSL. Uh, it's just a terrible. Oh, ADSL, yeah. Yeah. So is the new thing you're going to get cable based or is it fiber based? Yeah, it's sort of fiber based. They do oh, throttle man. it to some extent, but it, it's yeah. uh, it's basically uh, hundred. It's supposed to be theoretically hundred down, twenty up or forty up. Sorry, but it'll be more like eighty twenty. I think by the yeah, time I, I got uh, one twenty up or no one twenty down, twenty up here, oh. and yeah, I can like... uh, I can stream at you know four megabits per second. Uh, and I'm connected to the house with a uh, point-to-point because uh, the internet goes to the house, and then I beam it down to the barn with a point-to-point <laughs> yeah. wireless thing, and it literally is like a wireless Ethernet cable. Like in terms of the stuff connected to it, you can't tell a difference. And so I've done live streams an hour long from down here without a single wow. drive. Oh, that's great. So once you get like above 10 megabits up or 20 megabits up, it's going to make a world of difference. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I can't wait to just be able to upload and not ta- have it take oh, four and gosh. a half hours. It's so brutal. You're, with the amount of video that you're doing now, I mean, yeah. you're like uploading something like at least two or three times a week. Yeah. And uh, if something fails in the middle of a big upload like that, I mean, you just, oh, I remember. I remember that before the the internet speeds around here have improved a lot in the past 10 years. Um, but I remember before I had business class internet, just when it came time to upload the video, that was my least favorite part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's same here. When I, I actually have a really great, or I had a really great wireless solution for uploading. It was super quick, but, um, where I've moved to, that doesn't work so well. I had a lot of more, uh, towers at my old place. So I could upload uh, at like 20 meg. Cellular based. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good, but, yeah. yeah, I've only got it as a backup solution in case my internet drops, which it, it does from time to time. But uh, yeah, I want to ask you a question too. You recently posted the uh, Chris Kane lick. Chris Kane's one of my favorite players, yes. and I, I know uh, you you sort of dug through your, your CD collection or or virtual CD collection or whatever to to find some of his um, music again. When, when was the first time you heard of him? And um, yeah, what do you think of his playing compared to, I guess, a lot of other guys? Because so I love I, it. I love his stuff. I first heard of Chris Kane. So there is a, um, as with many things, this is going to be more detail than anybody asked for. Um, there was a guitar player in town here by the name of Mark Ross, and he fronted a blues band called Queen Bee and the Blue Hornet Band. When I first came to college and got into blues guitar, he was the blues guy around town. And uh, he was super nice to me as I was learning, even though I was studying Stevie Ray Vaughan and he didn't really care for that. He he was a major inspiration to me early on. Imagine when you first get into blues guitar and you're really impressionable and you find somebody right in your town who's doing... I mean, this guy, they opened for B.B. King. They toured up and down the East Coast, cross country, even in Europe. And so... Um, he, he recent, unfortunately, this story is going to take a dark turn. He recently died of cancer, uh, which is why I'm, I'm giving this much detail. But anyway, when I was a young, impressionable college student and I was talking to him uh, at a festival that uh, he, his band was playing, playing at at that point, and uh, we were just talking about different guitar players and influence, and he just dropped this name Chris Kane he's like you look at someone like Chris Kane he's playing as heavy as anybody and of course I didn't want to sound ignorant so I just played along oh yeah Chris Kane right (laughs) yeah 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 I had no idea 
And the first song, this was this was back in like the Napster days. <laughs> so <laughs> you saw mentioned that before. So if yeah, I had Napster. wanted any of Chris Kane's music, I don't know if I could have gotten it. But I found it, and it was the song Good Evening Baby. Oh, and I yeah, only I recently that found too. out today that it is the only album recording of that song that he's ever done and it was at a uh it was called live from the res or live hmm. from the whatever from back in the 90s you can't even it's not on any music service anymore but i was digging around today trying to find that track and i've just had it in my music library ever since and um so I heard that and it blew my mind. Actually, now now that you mentioned it, I can put my guitar to use since I have it. But I'll show you the lick that I was trying to find the other day. So he's um, he's playing a song, "Good Evening, Baby," which is like the. Let me uh, see. Do this in this key. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was just like, what? <laughs> like. And so that is the lick that I was looking for the other night when we were in the live chat. And that's how I discovered that other performance of Good Evening Baby. And um, so what I like about Chris is obviously you can hear, uh, you know, going back, he obviously he played with Albert King. So you go to some of his early stuff. I mean, yep. he sounds like Albert King. He's obviously got the B.B. King influence, but he does stuff when he combines all of his influences that I don't hear anybody else doing it. And some of it, I think, comes from the fact that he's an accomplished jazz guitarist, too. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and he I've played the Robin Ford band as well. this deep with Chris Kane's music, but I've got a lot more that I need to do. He's just, I listen to him, and it gives me a reaction that I don't get from just about anybody. Oh, I'm the same. He, he When I heard him, I was like, Where's this guy been? You know, like it, it completely remotivated me to learn guitar and play. Yeah. And he, it was just a, such an inspiring event because I was going through a really flat spot with music for a while where yeah. I'd been listening to a lot of the same stuff and I'm really stuck in my ways musically. It's very rare I hear someone and just, I just dive right in head first and want to know everything about the guy and, and look up all his YouTube videos. And he was yeah. the first guy in so long as a guitarist singer that I just went, wow, he's got the, he's got the entire this? package. When, sorry. Uh about when did you kind of discover him and it was probably it was a few years back probably like uh four years ago i, okay. I went and saw a local guy here who's one of the best in the country called ray beetle and he okay. he'd done some stuff with um chris kane in the u.s he played okay. at, at, at all these different clubs over there and he's like oh check if you like what i do check out what he does <laughs> and i had a look and i just went Wow. Yeah. It's and then I was lucky enough to actually meet the guy too when he was here you last time. You actually got a chance to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely Seems guy. Like awesome he's super guy. short too. I, I'm a short really? ass and he's he's way shorter than me. So, wow. Yeah. Lovely dude. Just really, as he appears in the videos as a really sort of generous kind of personality yeah. and humble, that's exactly how he is. He just loves playing. As soon he as he like started he's playing, so much fun when he's playing. Yeah. So musical. And unlike, um, you know, for as much as I have, you know, stolen from and imitated Stevie and Jimmy and stuff like that. One of my personal bents in terms of my playing is that I love the major happy blues sound. Yeah. So I like the intensity of Stevie, 
but when I play, more of the BB King influence comes out when I play than what I typically would hear Stevie do. And so what I notice from a lot of guys who get influenced by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix is they're really, really heavy on the minor pentatonic blues. And they don't spend hardly any time at all working on the sweeter stuff, like the B.B. King influence stuff. And so that's why when I heard Chris Kane and when I listened to a play, that's why I connect with it so much because there's a joy. You know, yep. I like the aggression, you know, no question about that. But there's a joy in his playing that comes out. You can see it on his face. You can see it when he's playing. And, um, yeah, it's inspiring. So I totally know what you what you mean about feeling like you're in a rut and then seeing that and realizing there's a whole world over here that I yeah. can study that doesn't sound anything like what I know. No, I feel exactly the same. Hey, we got a, a super chat for you here from uh, Nick Vaz. I'll just put this on screen for you, oh, mate. He Nick, says, yeah. Thank you, Nick. He says, uh, have you tried the PRS Silver Sky? And if you I have, have I guess never picked one up, but uh, I am over my initial skepticism, and now I do want to try it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, think... I made really an embarrassing number of memes when that first came out, <laughs> and uh, I think one of you're, them were. You're the meme was, king now. On online, a... <laughs> you are the meme generator. You are the <laughs> meme generator. <laughs> I showed a Strat, and then I showed a Silver Sky, and my caption was, when you reboot your guitar, but it comes up exactly the same. Uh, so I was initially like that guy. But, wow. like, everyone talks about, you know, once you get past the fact, okay, it looks like a strat, it plays so well. And, like, that, for me, that's what matters. Because I have, um, like, my SRV that I was just playing there, it's decent. It plays nice. But my Don Grosh, the, the sunburst on the wall right back there, that okay. guitar plays, like, a million bucks. And the difference between the two is worth $1,000. You know, if you played my SRV and you played that Don Grosh, the difference in how easy that one is to play compared to the SRV, it would be worth an extra grand. And so mm -hmm. that's the primary reason that I would be interested in the Silver Sky is that if they really have nailed the playability thing, I mean, if you can play extra notes because something is just set up better, then uh, you, know I feel the you same. know how much I yeah, love playing I all the notes. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my PRS just makes it easy. It really does, the PRS SE I've got. And I didn't expect it to play as easily as it does, but it really gives you sense a little bit more freedom and, and just having yeah. it feel like less of a challenge, I guess. Which Strats, you've got to work harder on most. I've only got a, a PRS SE Custom 24. So okay. it's a Krampus Green one. It's not their high-end one or anything like that. And I, I had no expectations of buying it. Like I borrowed it just for a video and I'm, I went back and I bought it the next day. It was, um, it was really easy to play and... Yeah, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, Chris Kane used to also play with uh, the Robin Ford band back in the day too. Okay. Yeah, he's a saxophone player and a piano player as well. So he's one of those really, you know, he's a smart ass. <laughs> so speaking yes. of PRS, so I have two in my collection. Right there is the uh, uh, yeah. S2 Starla, I think. And that blue metallic one actually i'm gonna pull that one off the wall here so you can see it i actually thought that was a a gretch when i first saw that one sorry i had to take my headphones off there for a second so i could oh that's all right make it reach. 
So you were saying you thought that was... I thought it was a Gretsch just when I first saw it uh, from sort of like the corner of the screen before. But yeah, there you go. So we have a local guitar store. We had a local guitar store here that was a uh, PRS. They used to be a Gibson dealer, Fender. They were the big guitar store. And so they're going out of business because they lost the lease on their building. So he was basically having a fire sale. Everything's on sale. I walk in and I see this finish on the PRS. It's all the way over the neck, all the way up on the headstock. And I've just had a thing for blue guitars recently. I have no nice. idea why. I think I got it for 800 bucks. Wow. And it's a <laughs> standard. Oh, how's the back of the neck looks awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, wow. So, if you think back, have you ever seen a PRS in like the S2 line that has this finish? No, not, not at all. It's so great. what he told me is that when the PRS dealer came by the shop, he had this one in his collection. I think it was like a one-off or a limited run with this obviously they've done metallic finishes in you know in blue but i had never seen this particular um blue and i was just i was in love so that was my christmas present for a year of hard <laughs> work um beautiful but yeah getting back to the playability thing i gotta tell you the um you know i kind of have i wouldn't say i have a love-hate relationship with fenders but I'm not enthralled with, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag. They make so many guitars, so many different levels. I've played some in the store, feel good. Others don't. I have never picked up a Paul Reed Smith in a store that didn't play well. Uh, yeah. And the playability of the S2 Starla back there and this one, is just they're just so easy to play. So that's why I think the Silver Sky probably would be no different. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to show you my last. You probably might have seen it. I'm not too sure. But I wondered if you did, you've actually tried one of these or whether you might consider it. Uh, so uh, This is one of the easiest guitars I've had to play in, in quite some time. It's almost too easy to bend on it, which means so I'm going to try bending? and... Now, nah, this, this is a Gibson uh, Les Paul oh. special. Yeah, so this is the TV yellow one. One of the things I, I don't see. usually go for these guitars... Uh, one of the reasons I don't usually go for these guitars is they're usually pretty heavy. This is lighter yeah. than most of my guitars in the collection. Really? And it's got a nice big neck. Um, and, yeah, huh. it's just – it's pretty cool. But one thing I've noticed with this – because it doesn't have the, the tunomatic bridge down here. No. It's just got the tailpiece. It's it's way easier to bend on. So I'm actually really? going to put the – I'm going to go up to 11s on this guitar. Oh, back okay. to 11s, I should say. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really overly easy guitar to – to sort of if you want to do like really huge bends man it's fun is. yeah it's something to do with that probably something to do with uh, it could be because it's missing the tunomatic bridge i'm not too sure if it's the if it's a, something to do with that or not but it if you like doing uh, obviously those big huge bends that's the yeah. easiest guitar for that i've got <laughs> yeah. it's almost like uncontrollable at the start until i got the feel for it but uh yeah they're pretty cool too the p90s do you ever dabble with the p90s much I days, have so. a um, 
I think I showed it on one of our live streams. I have a Yamaha Pacifica. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. It has a P90 in the neck. And uh, I haven't really figured out yet what I want P90s to sound like. Because at first, when I first plug them in, they just sound like hot single coils. Yeah. Um, and so my default instinct is just to try and make it sound like a regular Strat. But I feel like I know what to do with humbuckers because they're obviously so different uh, than single coils. But so I haven't spent enough time with P90s to really feel like I, I know what I want to do tone-wise when I plug one in. Yeah, they're um. I, I look at them as a sort of a heavier sounding. They're, they're like they got heaps of attitude, and you'll never yeah. have a pristine, clean tone. That's kind of yeah. what I've. They're a dirty blues tone. That's how, sort of how I. Uh, that's a good. Look that's at it a good. Uh, a good view on that, and I it it makes me realize in hindsight some of the things that I was feeling as I first plugged in that Yamaha. That it's like I couldn't. It had to turn everything way down to get a, any clean tone, yeah. Uh, but that's not really what it's for. Here's a here's a really great question from Jamal uh, for the lockdown fund. Thank you, Jamal. You don't have to do that, mate. He says, uh, "Question for both of you: What was the most difficult part of learning when you first started your guitar journey?" Uh, thanks for doing the live stream. Well, you're the guest, mate, so you can go first if you want. What was the most difficult part? That's a good, good question. I've, uh, you need some I time. I think um, it's hard because I'm a self-taught player, and uh, I learned very, very quickly. Um, so I learned by observation, watching and hearing and imitating. So that was basically... I had tons of time in college to study Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan and everything like that. So I didn't find the, um, obviously it was not easy, but I was so obsessed that it didn't feel like hard work to me. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say the hardest part of it was not having, um, peers or there was nobody in front of me to show me what I could improve on. Yeah, okay. Because nobody where I lived played the way that I did. And there was no YouTube back then. Mm. So there are things that I spent years doing wrong that I probably could have fixed in a matter of weeks if somebody knowing what I know now had been there to show me. So I would say the most difficult thing is that because there was nobody who could show me to play the way that I wanted to play, I literally had to figure out everything on my own. And that meant that I was limited by my own ability to hear my mistakes and hear things that I could improve on. Um, so I'm not complaining because I found that process enjoyable, but looking back so many things would have taken less time if somebody could have shown them to me. And so I think that's part of why I'm so obsessed with teaching this stuff now is that I realize 
I had the best case situation. I was a fast learner. I had tons of free time and an obsession. So I had the perfect recipe for learning fast, but there's a lot of people who don't have very much free time. They don't have the, uh, the benefit of being able to be obsessed about it to that level. And so if I can connect two dots that normally would take them, you know, years to connect, um, I can literally help improve their life. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I, I was obsessed for a while there too. Like I, I knew I liked playing guitar and then I found stuff that I loved and it really made the learning process a lot easier. But what was still tough for me was just the, the physical dexterity and, and coordination. Uh, I think everyone suffers when they first sort of start getting into playing lead about understanding the, you know, getting some sort of flow. Uh, I've never been a fast player, so I fo- tried to focus on other things more so than just playing quickly. But, um, yeah, I think what what really was tough for me, I, I got some books and some tab, but it was always the wrong way up. You know, I looked at it, and it mm-hmm. made no sense as a oh, lefty. Oh, anyway, because yeah. being left-handed, oh, man. Everything's How do you the, even do that? I don't do it anymore. I, I, the only time I get tab is if I really can't work a really simple part out, which seems kind of counterproductive because it's really simple, but um, just just a few notes in a, in a run somewhere that I'm struggling with, I'll, I'll try yeah. and work it out in my brain. But um, yeah, I, I was pretty much very similar to you. I had time because I hurt my back. And I, once I really started getting into playing guitar, I went, I spent a good three months, which doesn't sound like that much, but just doing nothing else basically was just, let's yeah. let's learn let's play to all my albums let's get the chops going so i think if you're driven with anything you do learning is a lot easier like you know if whether you're learning a language or you're learning anything else video editing if you spend three days straight only eating sleeping and doing that <laughs> yeah you're going to be great you're going to improve so much and um yeah I for me it was is... go ahead sorry go ahead yeah no you're right you're right uh i think of it as gravity like uh you know when you study science and they talk about the gravity of the moon and gravity of the earth and everything like that i think of it uh when you've got a passion for a certain thing that you want to learn that skill kind of has some gravity that pulls you through the difficult stuff almost without trying and i think what is hard is when you accomplish something the next goal you have might not have as much gravity Yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of have to, so I wouldn't say this has been something that's difficult, but it's one of the things I've had to do with myself, not just with guitar, but with business. If there's something that I want, but I'm not obsessed about it, but I know that I need to get there, I have to find a way (laughs) to trick my brain into becoming obsessed about that thing. Like Mm -hmm. that's how it was with like making tablature. Uh, I still outsource the creation of my most difficult tablature pieces to a guy in the UK who's much better at it than me. But I am pretty good at putting together simple tabs for a free lesson Friday or something like that. But it took me kind of tricking my mind into thinking, look how many good things will be able to come if you don't see creating tablature as a, uh, as a mountain to climb. You know, what if you get yeah, really yeah. good at climbing this mountain? And uh, so I think sometimes um, there's an old story about um, this is turning into like a 
Tony Robbins motivational speech here. <laughs> uh, there's an old story about this lady who swum across the English Channel. And uh, they asked her how she did it. And she said every time she get tired, she just looked towards the other side. And she kept the goal in front of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is something that guitar players, sometimes we have to do where if it's just not connecting for us on guitar, sometimes we have to sit down with the goal, which might be the music that we want to learn. And you've got to sit there in it. Don't play it. Just sit there, put your headphones on, and just soak in that music and let that sound get into your bones. Because sometimes if you're trying to play something and it's not yet coming from the inside, it's it's not quite authentic yet. You know what I mean? Yep. Whereas if that sound is already so inside you that it's begging to come out. I like I'm talking yeah. gibberish here. But no, no, it that... feels like it becomes easier to learn it when yep. your mind is making that sound already. Oh, totally. I, I totally agree with you. This is exactly how I felt about when I first started learning. Just I had that passion in me to want to do it. Um and then you've got it yeah, there's also a part of your brain that needs to be able to hear or, or see the end goal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why I always encourage people on my YouTube channel to go to Blues Jams. Once you get to a certain point, you know, have that as some something to help you continually. I mean, there's some bad Blues Jams out there as well, right? But it's a really good goal. If you can say to yourself, I've been playing at home for five years. It's time to, I, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Go play live because all of a sudden yeah. you'll work out that, you know, you might be able to play lead, but your rhythms might stink. And you'll need to work on other things as well. I think rhythm might be one of the most sort of underrated things that people learn. That's why also we're talking about Chris Kane before. A lot of his little parts on rhythm guitar, I was like, this is a completely different approach. And uh, yeah, and to be able to take even a a one billionth of that and apply it in a live situation, I'm like, oh, I've just added a new flavor to the mix. And that's what kind of keeps me motivated. And, and, you know, playing live when I, obviously we can't do that right now, but you know, generally. So if you're bored playing yeah. guitar, set a goal, like Anthony said, uh, and, and yeah, just focus on it, make it happen. Cause it, it does, it motivates you to do more in anything in your life, really you achieve something, keep moving forward. It, it really gets you going, yeah, especially if you music. Can, if you can trick your brain into obsessing about it. And this yep. is, this is one of the most valuable things that I've learned is that we as human beings are not fixed we are very pliable Um, and something that on any given day you wake up and you're kind of excited about it, that thing can turn into an obsession. Uh, There are some things in life that will hit you that are immediately an obsession and you don't have to work. (laughs) It's just that desire is right there. Yeah. But if something doesn't hit you like that right away, that doesn't mean that it can't become that. You know, you can, like that Chris Kane lick that I saw, it's like I was like buzzing as I was putting together the lesson. <laughs> I was like, I got yeah, it. Good. Like that was one of those things. It just hit me. There are other things that I have learned. Like say um, some of my, uh, so I've done two Jimi Hendrix courses that each had two solos. Um so you talk about the song uh, Hear My Train A-Comin'. Yeah. 
I've not spent a great amount of time listening to that song over the course of my life. It is not one of my obsessions. But when it came time to do a course, I had to choose which songs am I going to base these solos on. And I narrowed it down. And that was one that had a lot of art out there to pull from. There was a lot of examples. And so I was forced to kind of sit with that song, listen to it over and over and over. And at some point, it yeah. became an obsession. And so I guess what I'm saying is that realize that you as a human being are manipulatable. You are pliable. Your brain can yeah. change. And if there is something that you want to learn and it feels like work, part of the reason is, is that it's not an obsession yet. And there's a good chance that if you have some interest in it, if you just sit with it and explore it long enough without putting conditions on yourself and just allow yourself to be like a kid who just got a new toy, just sit there and play with that thing, listen to the music, think about how awesome it would be to play it and watch if that gravity doesn't start to form to kind of pull you through. Mm -hmm. uh, when you try and force yourself to go into something before that uh, obsession is there, that's when I think you can hit burnout. Let me ask you a question just I'll put it out there for everybody. I've spoken about this before too, but just in terms of learning that Chris Kane lick that you you put up, did you do what I do in, the, in that situation where you just you hear it a, a whole lot of times, you hum along with it, uh, you you know, or you can turn the music off and then sing along with it without oh not with it, but you know what I mean. You can sing it in your head yeah. without the lick, and then you start approaching it, or do you just sort of dive in, you know, piece by piece in the moment? Because putting a lesson together of a lick takes a lot of time i don't think people realize like unless you've been playing it for years and then it's easy putting a new lick you know getting that coordination from yeah. the brain to the hand isn't easy for everybody uh especially if you're trying to teach it then too so i was just curious about your the way that you look at it so yeah my, my process is i have to be able to sing it in my head before i can easily put it in my hands if i can't hear it in my head it's a whole lot more work, even if I break yeah. it down. Um, so, yeah, I'm just curious to see what you, you thought about that. So today I'm a lot lazier than I used to be. Um, <laughs> but that's partly because I'm operating on a schedule. So one yeah. of the features that I have in the player that I've built for our locals is that I can bring in a YouTube video and I can create my own loops. And so because I had to learn this fast, I imported not import, I loaded up that video in my own custom player and I put loops around the four things that I taught in the lesson. And then from there, I can slow them down and learn them. So it makes that process a lot easier. But the way that I would, the way that I naturally do it, the way that I did it when I was learning Stevie stuff is exactly what you said. All I had back then was a CD player or a VHS a VCR. Yeah. And with my CD player, I would uh, let a song play. And when it got to a lick that I wanted to learn, I would let the first few notes of the lick play and then hit the back button. And it would rewind about one second. And I would <laughs> sit there and do that over and over and over. I was essentially looping in a very crude way. But it would get to the point that you talked about where now, you, now I could hear it. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a very weird thing where 
couple 30 second notes go by and you get them in your brain and then once that sound is in your brain then you can almost kind of slow them down once that sequence is in there sometimes it's as little as two notes i have i can hear what the first note is and i can hear what the fourth note is but i can't hear the second one and i have to get real good at hitting that rewind button so i learned <laughs> yeah. entirely by ear when it comes to cds mm. on video uh i would with video it was harder because there was no quick rewind for vhs but with video i could study and in slow motion watch where the fingers were going and so yeah, yeah. between the two of those things that's how i learned so if i were trying to learn that chris kane lick without the benefit of the tools that i've built in the pro player i would probably have to load it up uh and just listen to a little sequence over and over and over again until i could almost sing it like what you said yeah. And I, I guess another a tip for people who are learning too, you know, there's so many iconic songs with guitar parts we can all sort of hum in our heads or sing along to the guitar solos. Yeah. You know, they're, the, they're sometimes the ideal things to start with, not maybe something too, you know, extreme in terms of, uh, of how complicated it is. But if you can hear anything in your head or sing along to a solo, a famous song or or blues song or whatever they're the ones to start with if you if you wonder and at least in my opinion anyway if you can what was, you've already got the advantage of knowing solo them. That, what was the first solo that you tried to learn uh it was i could have lied from the red hot chili peppers which really? might shock you yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first songs i ever learned uh, i love that album that that blood sugar sex magic one was uh was a great oh sorry i've stuffed the cameras up that was a great album you know it still Were is you... i still listen to it were they the band that kind of got you into guitar? Like what, what headspace were you in when you first decided, you know, guitar is something I'm going to pick up and do? Um, I'd already played a little bit before I found the, the blues again. Like I'd listened to, when I was a kid, I, I watched the Blues Brothers and it was instantly addictive. Like I, I just went, hey, this is great. I didn't really know it was, even though the title of the, the movie was Blues Brothers, yeah. there's a lot of other, other styles in there, right? Yeah, they soul. do that. Yeah, soul funk yeah. gospel it's got everything yep um so I, I love that kind of music and i'd heard a lot of that stuff as a kid john lee hooker and all that kind of stuff but right. i didn't real realize that i would go down that path because when i yeah. first started playing guitar i knew basic chords so i was learning stuff like um u2 and yeah even i even love the dave matthews band stuff but that okay. that was a bit out of my it was a bit out of, it was a bit too hard at the time when i first started <laughs> getting into it yeah um so yeah there was that and then i moved to michigan for, for a good amount of time, like six months or four months or something, and wait here in the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I worked right. over there. I worked over there for a while when I was eighteen and turned nineteen over there. And um, this guy Rob showed me the twelve bar blues. And even before that, though, I, I started listening to it more. But I, I didn't know the formula. I didn't understand it. I just knew that I liked the music and I was listening to it a lot. Yeah. A, a certain amount of time went by where I wasn't playing guitar at all, and then um. When I heard that, and then on the way back to the airport, they had on uh, Eric Clapton from The Cradle, one of the <laughs> greatest blues albums of all time. I said, as soon as I get home, this this is it. Like He's I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna buy. I'm electric. making up the story that I tell you next, but finish. Yeah, yeah. I, as soon as I heard that, I I didn't know. I only knew a, a handful of blues guys. I said, oh, who is this? Is this BB King? Like I didn't know the guy. Sounded yeah. like he could. He had a gravelly voice, and it was great. Yeah. And the electric guitar tones were awesome. He's like, he's like, no, this is Eric Clapton's album. This was in 1999, right? So yeah. this must have come out right around that time or just beforehand. And we listened to it on repeat. It was like a three-hour drive back to the airport. And uh, 
yeah, I was just like, this is so good. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is what I want to play. So it was for me, it was easy. That was a huge catalyst for me. And then I found, you know, all the other guys, Alba King, and uh, they got a lot of you know influences outside of just straight yeah. blues too. But yeah, I, that was for me. Who uh, that's what really got me going was the blues was a jam thing. It inclu- it was easy to once you got the formula, it meant you could you know, get up and play with other people. And I like yeah. the idea of that without having to rehearse, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for it. It's funny you mentioned that that album because uh, my first electric guitar was one that I uh, borrowed from a friend of mine. He, uh, it's a strange story. He needed some money, so I loaned him some money and kept his electric guitar and amp as collateral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like loan sharking when I was in high school. Anyway, and so... Uh, <laughs> He eventually paid me back and I gave him back the guitar. But during that time, I had fooled around enough to feel like I like how the, I couldn't play anything. I was like, I like how this feels, you yeah. know, like I worked out the course like uh, you know, Crimson and Clover by uh, <laughs> what is that old 60s band? Um, but I had like uh, now I can't think of what their name is. But anyway. So I give back to him and it turns out he doesn't play it at all. So for my graduation gift, my parents then bought it back from him. So I've got this electric guitar. I don't know what I'm doing with it yet. My influences at that point were mostly classic rock. But for some reason, the first solo that I tried to dive in and learn was from a Guns N' Roses song. I forget. It was one of their ballads. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, it was yeah. like Don't Cry or something like that. Something easy. Uh, but because I wanted to feel cool, at one point I had bought a Muddy Water CD. But hmm. I didn't get any of like the good, like Johnny Winter produced electric stuff. This was like old Muddy Waters. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, it was way too bare for me to like really, because like you have to grow into being able to appreciate some of the stripped down stuff. But the the uh, song Manish Boy was on there. And, oh, yeah. uh, or no, it was Hoochie Coochie Man or something. One of those. But even though there wasn't any like guitar fireworks on that album, I could feel the energy as it approached the point where a hyped up guitar solo would be. And so I'd listen to this and I'd hear him sing and I could feel the energy. And I don't even really know if I was connecting with the fact that this was blues and it was distinctly different than the other stuff. All I knew is I liked that sound and I could hear when the guitar solo, even though he played the same solo for every song, just about just on a slide, <laughs> yeah. I could feel that energy coming like this is where I should play something. I didn't know what to play, but I could feel that energy. So then that, um, that was the summer before college. Then I go off to college and no later later that summer uh one of the guys at the place that i was working put on the stevie ray vaughn uh sky is crying album Mm. and so this would have been in like 95 i guess because this is the summer after high school before i go off to college and i hear this sound coming out of i was working at a an audio company at that point called claire brothers audio now they're like the biggest pro sound company in the world but i was working in the speaker department assembling these big speakers that go out on tour and we had a room called the boom room where we would test these humongous speakers at like obscene volume levels 
And so what we would do is while we were working and there was nobody in the boom room, we would just play music at obscene levels in that room because it was all insulated. And then by the time it filtered out to where we were working, it was at a reasonable sound. But you could like feel the bass. Anyway, that's too much detail to say that I heard uh, it was a lot of fun. I heard that full album play from start to finish two times in a row. I only a few months on it. And I remember telling somebody, that's how I want to play guitar. But for some reason, you got to remember, this was 95. So it's not like you could just go find it on the internet. Like, I didn't even have have the email at that point. I didn't get email (laughs) until I went to college. My parents didn't get a computer until I was already. So I was too cheap to go out and actually buy CDs. I don't even know if I remembered who it was. I just remembered that sound. So then I go off to college and I'm still learning some Led Zeppelin stuff, some Guns N' Roses stuff. And then my roommate, freshman year, puts on a tape and I'm going to let you guess what that tape was. From the Cradle. From the Cradle by Eric Clapton. Yeah. And he puts on five long years and it was like a tidal wave hitting me. I was completely floored. I've told this story a couple times in in different Stevie Snacks or Texas Blues Alley videos, but for the next few days, so I'm in college, I'm on my own for the first time in my life, I'm realizing, looking back now, that this is, if I had known I was an introvert, it would have explained so much, but (laughs) I I didn't have a social life to speak of, I was discovering this world of electric guitar surrounded by people who are obsessed with other things i'm walking around campus going to my classes i have the sound of blues guitar soloing in my head non-stop for like three days and every (laughs) time i come back from class i'd listen to it more my fingers were doing this as i was walking i Hmm. almost couldn't even control it (laughs) i could hear that might be a condition anthony i think i i it wasn't, and it wasn't songs that I was hearing. It wasn't yeah. like songs off the album. It was just that sound of blues guitar, and it was almost like I was infected. Like you think yeah, about the wow. movie Venom when he gets that thing. That's almost what it felt like. Something different was inside me now, and that was a turning point right there. From that point yeah, on, it was all blues. And then later that year. I got reintroduced to Stevie Ray Vaughan. I saw him play on Saturday Night Live, play the Say What instrumental. And hearing that tape from Eric Clapton, seeing that video of Stevie Ray Vaughan on SNL, that changed everything. And it was was such a deep, deep change in my psyche and in my interest that I don't know if there's anything that has rivaled it to this day. Yeah, I, I feel the same about, um, uh, you know, for me, From the Cradle hit me in a spot that I, I hadn't, I wasn't used to. And the more I listened to it and the more I played guitar, the more I appreciated it as well. And yeah. the fact they recorded everything on that album live, except for, I think they did harmonica overdubs. It is yeah. so good. Like the, um, yeah, the, I, I always appreciated clap, like um, Sinner's Prayer on that album is one of my favorites. Oh, it's just so like, there's so much room. It's like, and the shuffle's got a, yeah. a unique sort of feel, and it's yeah. just. Third degree you know, is another good yeah. one on there, too. Which one, sorry? Third degree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah. there you go. There's another one. So we were going to go for an hour today, and uh, we've been 
and like we've got lots of questions that I've missed. So how about we take some questions go if you want it. to go for the next ten or I'll fifteen keep my minutes? My answers like brief that. if they're for me. No, no, that's all right. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to let us know. I got this little thing we can do here where we can do that. There we go. Yeah. This little overlay on the screen here. It's all fancy tech until yeah, someone gets been disconnected. Talking and I haven't really been watching the chat, but I got to tell you, I enjoy this because, man, there is nobody. <laughs> like I've been working by myself. You realize I left my job as a software engineer in 2009 to run wow. Stevie Snacks full time. Yeah. I have been doing this longer than I was a software developer. So I've been working awesome. by myself since July of 2009 and yep. um, live in a small town. There's not that many, <laughs> not that many people to talk to this stuff about. Somebody a while back asked if I play live and the answer is no. A couple of reasons. Number one, I live in a very small town where it's extremely hard to find people who uh, would vibe with what I play. Having said that, there are people, if I wanted to put a band together tomorrow, uh, I could do that because I have the connections now. The problem is, is that as Texas Blues Alley has grown both in size and in scope a little bit, it takes so much time to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. There's so many aspects to the business. And uh, along the way, we've had two kids. They're now uh, oldest boy is 11, youngest boy is four. Um, so I've had uh, quite a busy life over the past decade. Having said all of that, I've got a stage downstairs. And part of the reason I built that stage was because I want to start playing in a band again. And I want to start broadcasting it out to you guys. Yeah, we've got to have a jam there one day, mate. If, uh, if oh, I'm ever in the neighborhood, that'd be definitely. so much fun. That'd be so cool. It looks yep. awesome. So Gabriel says, have you watched Eric Clapton's sessions for Robert J? Uh, great stuff. Yeah, I've actually got the DVD slash CD uh, combo set from that. So uh, yeah, that was another live sort of blues thing they did a while back with Nathan East, who I think is like a gun bass player, man. He, he's so good. Um, they had Steve Gadd on drums. They had Billy Preston before he passed away on uh, Hammond as well. So great, great band. Have you heard that as well, Anthony? I have not. Is that the album he did for Robert Johnson covers? Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, it's okay. called yeah, Sessions for Robert. I've Bay. heard some of it. I did not realize there was a video part. Yeah, it's on. It's on. Um, it's on YouTube. I think someone's mm. just uploaded it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. The electric stuff is still my. I mean, Eric's a really underrated acoustic blues player. You yeah. know, like I, I think he's he's pretty cool at that too. You ever seen Stevie Ray's? Um, yeah, of course you would have. But his MTV right. Unplugged. Uh, I can't watch that too much because I get so frustrated <laughs> how, seeing how insane somebody make an acoustic guitar sound <laughs> like that. Yeah. And and the reason it frustrates me is because the reason I don't like acoustic that much, which is odd because I just finished an acoustic course for like Layla, haven't advertised it yet, but I don't like playing acoustic because i don't know how to make it sound good so the, the, thing that, the thing that i do that's a mistake is i try to play it like an electric yeah and like i know enough to know that i can't play it like an electric but then you watch stevie do it and somehow he's not playing it quite like an electric but doggone it if it doesn't sound as intense as an electric guitar it's unbelievable it's yeah. it's really frustrating to watch Here's another one for you. Guitar, everyone says, uh, what's your favorite Strat pickups? I think I know the um, answer to this, but... 
So I've been uh, playing these uh, Zex coil pickups since 2012. Um, I discovered them in uh, 2012 at a guitar show, and uh, you know they gave me a set to try out, and then I was hooked ever since. The big thing is, is that because of the design, they're naturally hum canceling. They're not. Um, they're one coil per string. And so they cancel each other out without having to have any dummy coils or anything. So what I tell people is that if they were only for the hum canceling, I'd still use them anyway. But uh, the fact that they sound as good as any other pickups I've tried, it kind of seals the deal. So um, I now take that with a grain of salt. I am one of their endorsing artists I get their pickups in all my guitars and we make it really easy for me to have them so I can try out new designs. And so I play them all the time. Um, I don't get paid anything from them other than the fact that if I get a new guitar, then I can probably get a set of pickups for them. Having said that I can afford whatever pickups I want and I still choose those. Um, so that's my answer. Uh, in the past I have played Lindy Fralins and they sound wonderful. I have played, I've had a set of Lawler pickups, the blackface ones, I think. They sounded incredible. Um, So, yeah, my whole thing is if you're going with Lawler or Fralin or any of the kind of top tier that you see, you really can't go wrong. And uh, even, you know, even I've heard good things about the Fender uh, 69. Somebody else has mentioned the 69 pickups in there. Yeah, I saw that Um, somebody too. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that unless you are buying one of Fender's really good guitars that already have good pickups in, you can almost guarantee a huge improvement in sound by putting Mm -hmm. aftermarket pickups in. It is one of the, I wouldn't say least expensive, but like if you take like a Mexican-made Stratocaster or even like a Chinese-made Squire or something like that and put some professional pickups in it, you will not believe what a difference it will make. Yeah, it makes a it does. It makes a huge difference to the tone. Absolutely. Just want to give a quick shout out to Peter Gregg. I've been watching his live streams to keep me uh, sort of distracted over the last few weeks. He's a he runs a really great uh, camera channel. If you you're into that sort of stuff, guys, go check Ooh, him out. I just camera. want to say hi. I'm yeah, he's, a, he's a huge camera nerd. He knows his stuff. He's he gives me the gas for camera equipment. Like uh, I guess we can to That's give an people guitar hobby. gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've I've taken it easy on the camera stuff lately though. So. If anyone else any, has any questions, I'll, I'll just scroll down here. I, I think I may have missed a few. I'll just scroll back up. Um, otherwise, we're almost at. Uh, I mean, I'm just going through the comments here. It's a little different for me to look at this. I'm not used to. Oh, someone said, "What about Texas Specials?" Texas Specials are good. I I didn't mind those pickups at all. In my, I put them in my Squire actually, and it. it drastically changed the sound back in the day i think it depends a lot on your playing style yeah and here's my reason for that the texas special pickups were put in the srv strat when it first came out and the goal was is to obviously have people sound like more like srv most people don't use really heavy strings and they don't play with a super heavy attack so the texas specials are hot and I would characterize them as a little crispy and a little dirty. I would not characterize them as pristine. The problem is, if you do use heavy strings and you do play really heavy, 
that does not combine well with pickups that are designed to kind of push your sound already. Mm -hmm. um, so Texas specials don't work for me uh, yeah. because it just gets to be too much. Where I do really well is when I have a nice, clean set of pickups that don't color the sound too much. Because uh, I am, I now use gravity picks, which are like 1.5 millimeters. So I'm usually heavy strings when I'm playing this stuff, and I have a big pick, and I'm picking really hard. And um, but if you're someone who uses lighter strings and you're not attacking the strings like they or trying to date your sister or something like that, uh, then Texas Specials can definitely give you an edge that you might have a hard time getting otherwise. Um, I think it all depends on on the player and yeah. how they normally play. What I might do is ask you one more question here before we wrap up. Just something uh, outside of the blue scope, because a lot of people here be watching stuff, uh, be listening to music, you know, of all genres, like probably what we do too. Are there any other guitar players outside of, I guess, straight up blues players that you go, how great is this? And I don't mean like the jazz fusion blues yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. combo like we were talking about earlier, but just someone different that you go, man, what a sound. I'd love to sort of dig into that. Um, I'll throw one blues suggestion out before I get to the other ones, and that is uh, Tony Vega from the Tony Vega Band. Uh, he hits me in a similar way as Chris Kane. He's mm -hmm. a player down in Houston. He right now to me has the distinct texas blues sound uh i'll just leave it at that. tony vega tony yep. vega band my i characterize him as my favorite living guitarist uh outside of blues or rock i have always kind of liked slash cool. um i find his playing to be he's got a real melodic sense mm -hmm. um if we're talking outside of blues, then I would have to throw Joe Bonamassa in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. What do you think of Knopfler? What do you think Ooh. of Mark Knopfler? Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. I appreciate it, and I like... I'll say this. I like the um, Dire Straits music... To me, their songs are what stand out. Yeah. You know, it's like okay. his guitar no, playing serves the music. His mm -hmm. his distinct signature style doesn't hit me the same way as it obviously hits some other people. Yeah. But it was the songs that, that really did it for me. Um, just going to look through my music here real quick to see if I can name it. You know, it's I listen to... oh. Oh, it's this easy. Uh, Rival Sons. Um, they're like uh, Led Zeppelin with better guitar playing. I'm sure I'm not going to yeah. have any nasty comments about that. And, and better singing as well, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand that guy's voice. Um, it's uh, sacrilegious. I, I got grilled about that on uh, on my last live stream, no. being honest about what I think about certain bands. <laughs> Scott, uh, what is his name? Scott, uh, oh, I, can't, I can't remember. He's... Uh, prime time i can't think when i'm on camera but the guy right. from rival sons i first of all i love the band they're one of the few bands that i would pay any amount to go see and uh if it weren't for this darn coronavirus i'd be going to see them in may <laughs> i paid for premium backstage passes and everything 
now as i think it got delayed till november they are distinctly not blues but they are rock and i love it i love it i love it cool uh, chris uh, stapleton another one oh yeah yeah, um, yeah it, it's great eric lindell is more of a soul artist i love his singing but he also has very tasteful guitar to go in there i like the black keys yeah very cool um have you heard of a, a band called JJ Gray and Mofro? It's one of my favorite bands. I've heard of Mofro. I haven't heard of. Oh, so JJ Gray's the the main guy. They just changed okay. their name for whatever reason. He's the singer. Um, he just put his name, I guess, because he does solo stuff now too. That's a really sort of. They got a lot of great songs, man. Yeah. Lots of funky grooves, soul, bit of everything, man. I, maybe not. I they're like not so I've guitar centric, but somewhere. I don't have any of their music, but I've definitely heard the name Mofro. I'm going to put a, a oh, another um, one. I can't forget Lenny Kravitz. His, oh yeah. Uh, okay. Even though the, the, the guy in his band does most of the soloing, the guitar playing is just perfect for the songs. Um, I'll put yeah. a link in the chat here for everyone. Yeah, When to it comes out. to outside of blues, I don't get as stuck on the guitar playing. Once you get outside of blues, it's entirely the vibe <laughs> yeah. and the songs and the mood. Uh, I don't hear because blues guitar is the only real kind of guitar that grabs me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Outside of that, it's the music and the songs, the the whole package. Cool. Yeah, I just posted a link in the in the chat here to. Uh, oh, actually, we've got a private one here. I'll I'll, I'll send it. Um, I don't know how this works exactly, but oh, there we go. I guess yeah, we'll find it. out. Uh, yeah, have a listen to this band. I, I think you'd probably get a kick out of it. It's it's pretty Mo cool. Fro. Just don't play it on the stream if you don't mind, because we're going to get no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get... get it pulled down immediately. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've been going just over an hour actually, and I, I said yep. to you I wouldn't hold you up for too long because I know it's probably going to get late. Wherever, uh, what time is it where you are now? Ten o'clock. It's not that bad. Oh, okay. That's not we're so on uh, we're on quarantine. I'm staying up till two o'clock every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like yeah. the whole everything's like off the rails now. Kids are staying up till like eleven, waking up yeah. at ten. I see other parents like trying to actually keep their kids on like a curriculum and everything. I'm like, hats off to you guys, but it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like a circus at my house. Now I'm yeah, you guys. The, the there's 11, a lot of. Oh, sorry. The eleven year old is is doing some online stuff, but uh, man, what am I going to have a chance to have my kids home for a couple of weeks again? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn it into school. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna get, get him, a bunch of parenting playing, advice comments. Get him, get them playing drums and bass for you. You'll be sorted. That's right. Be we like need to a focus on thing. the important stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, thanks so much for doing this, mate. I appreciate it. I know it was no sort of short notice, but I. But, thanks uh, everybody yeah. for tuning in. Yeah, yeah, and go subscribe to Anthony's uh, YouTube channel. And if you want the best lessons for blues guitar and maybe some other stuff thrown in, how do I share that again? I've forgotten how to do it. Um, you can go over to his uh, website over here, texasbluesalley.com. I don't know why it looks so squished there, but uh, it's probably because I've done this. Um, and links to his YouTube channel uh, also in the description yep. of this video. But you got more subscribers than me, mate. So odds are all of those yeah, people that are subscribing <laughs> faster than I am. Ah, uh, yeah. You I'm... can't just take a year off of YouTube the way that I did and expect to stay ahead of everybody. <laughs> I watched uh, it was a funny story this will be my last story of the night but uh, you know Brian cool. from uh, Act have you ever heard of Active Melody uh, nah. it's another guitar lesson anyway 
he uh, started emailing me back in the day, basically as he was trying to get Active Melody off the ground. And I gave him some advice, you know, how you should start free and see if people want to watch you for free before they pay for anything. And so I, I always thought, boy, he seems like a good teacher. We'll see how he's doing. This guy has gone way up past me yeah. in terms of subscribers and revenue and everything. And so we, we, uh, we've chatted from time to time, but we connected for the first time in person out at NAM in uh, January. And, uh, I was telling everybody the story that uh, he emailed me a while back asking for advice, and my advice was so good that the next time I connected him, he was already a bigger business than I was. And he just <laughs> went, he just went, it was good advice. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's good to see. Uh, I'm really proud of the uh, success that you've had with YouTube. You've worked extremely hard, and uh, nice. you're one of the few people who it doesn't matter what the video is. I'm always going to hit play on the uh, when it shows up in my feed. So. Oh, thanks for that, mate. Yeah, I, I've tried to make it more personable over the years. I think I was uncomfortable for a long time on camera. Now I'm way more myself than it I've takes been, years for that novelty to wear off until you figure out what kind yeah. of person you want to be on camera. And it, you have to get through all the phases of trying to figure out what yeah. people want before you realize that the only thing that's sustainable is the personality that you want to be and the tone that you want to set. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, that's a good note to end on. Thanks again, everybody, for joining in. I appreciate it. This is our first direct to Facebook and YouTube live stream. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed the video, please give it a thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe to Anthony if you, if you haven't already. All his links are in the description. And we will catch you on the... Well, next time. <laughs> On the flip side. Yeah. See you guys. See ya.